We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com podcast, December 15th. Come and gone, which means trade talks around the NBA are picking up. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I also have some fan questions and comments to get into. First, quick reminder, do subscribe to the LakersNation.com YouTube channel. We're going to keep you up to date as trade negotiations continue. And of course, if any breaking news happens, we will be jumping on that and giving our analysis as quick as we can. So make sure that you are subscribing and turn on notifications as well. If you're listening to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, make sure you are subscribing and giving us that nice review we sure do appreciate it all right so before i get into fan questions and comments and everything december 15th hits and no trade happened it was kind of like y2k all over again right we've been saying for a while now do not expect any kind of deals to go down on december 15th what what happens is the trade market just starts to open up a little bit because more players become trade eligible again that's what it's all about it's about players who signed contracts this past summer becoming trade eligible so that means guys like lonnie walker guys like uh damian jones can now be traded now uh, it's not to say they couldn't be discussed before like you could have conversations about these players back in october if you wanted to but Teams couldn't actually execute the trade until December 15th. So now those opportunities are there if that is something that helps you out at all. But for the Lakers, you know, I think when we look at this team, we see a team that is good enough to get something done here, right? Anthony Davis is having an MVP caliber season. I'm not saying he's legitimately in the MVP race. The Lakers are not winning enough games for that. But I'm saying he's playing at that level to where if the Lakers were like the three seed in the Western Conference, we'd be making a lot of noise about Anthony Davis potentially being the MVP on this season. He's playing that well. LeBron James, he's had his ups and downs, but he's still a high-quality player that can get things done for you. This team has shown that they can hang with the Boston Celtics. They can hang with uh, a team like the Milwaukee Bucks actually beating them. They can hang with the 76ers. They can hang with some of the top teams in the NBA, not get blown out, and it looks like they just need a little extra help. And that's where the front office needs to come in and give them the players necessary in order to get over the hump and actually start winning some basketball games and perhaps to balance out the roster a bit as well. I mean, look, we saw Darvin Ham against the Boston Celtics. He stuck with one group for the entire fourth quarter. Didn't make a sub until into overtime when you brought Lonnie Walker back into the game. It's pretty clear this team just has too many guards, and when they're in a situation that calls for wings, which playing the Boston Celtics typically does, that makes it a big challenge for this Lakers team. So they need to make a move. They need to get something done. It's clear this team has proven they're close enough to where they can make some noise, but they need a little bit of extra help. 
Rob Palenka, front office, it's on them to provide that. Not saying it's going to be easy, though. So here's the situation the Lakers are in right now. Essentially, we've heard them connected to everyone. I mean, like I'm not being that hyperbolic there. Like they, they've been connected to almost every single player that we've heard in the rumor mill. Literally, there's, there's a few that they haven't been, but it's, it's just about everybody. So, you know, they're being active. You know, they're being active. They're interested in a lot of players. There's a lot of different ways they can play this. We know what they have to offer. You can offer up Russell Westbrook. You can offer up two future first round picks, 2027 to 2029. You've got a handful of second rounders you can offer up. You also have uh, expiring contracts in Kendrick Nunn and Patrick Beverly. Now, Sam Amick of The Athletic had a piece uh, yesterday where he talked about how the Lakers were unlikely to move Russell Westbrook before the trade deadline. I've been talking a lot about that. This fits right in with exactly how I've been analyzing the situation. Um, essentially, the Lakers now see Russell Westbrook as a positive because, look, he's not been perfect. I know he made mistakes down the stretch against the Celtics. He took the bait. He took the 15-foot pull-up jumpers that no nobody on the Lakers side wanted him to take, and everyone on the Celtics side wanted him to take. The entire defense was to try to get Russell Westbrook to pull the trigger and take the shot, and he did. Um it was part of the reason why they lost, not the entire reason. So I'm not saying Russ has been perfect, but he's providing a very useful skill set for them in terms of a being a shot creator off the bench, being somebody who can attack and get other teammates open shots. His passing has been really important. Again, their shooting percentages, they're slipping back down. He started fairly strong this year. Well, it started pretty rough and then picked up, and now they're slipping back down again. Uh, finishing all that. It, there's some, there's still plenty of holes in his game. There's no question. He's not worth $47 million or anything. I'm not saying we're suddenly getting MVP caliber Russell Westbrook, but his passing has been something that has helped the team. So the Lakers are looking at it as, you know, he's actually giving us something positive here on the floor. He's not a negative. He's not a guy where we're saying, are we better off if we just send him home? That's not the discussion that we're having right now. Yes, there's been some situations where maybe you would have won a game if you didn't play him and things, but it's not as catastrophic as it was last season. So the Lakers don't have as much incentive to get him off the roster, right? They're not looking at Russell Westbrook saying, what do we, what do we have to pay to get this guy to go somewhere else, right? We're not in that situation anymore. And opposing teams, though, I think are still going to treat it that way. They're going to look at Russ and say, if you want us to take on Russell Westbrook's $47 million contract, we're not going to put him on the floor. Um, you're going to have to give us significant draft capital just to take him, just to take him. And then if you want something back, well, that's going to cost you even more. So if you're the Lakers and you don't feel like Russ is a negative for your team anymore, and we know there were some members of the front office who were hesitant to trade Russell Westbrook for the Indiana Pacers package, which I think is now gone. I, I don't think the Pacers will even offer this anymore, but uh, Miles Turner and Buddy Heald uh, the night before media day, the Lakers could have gotten that done. And some parts of the front office decided that that was not um, the way they wanted to go because they wanted to give Russell Westbrook another chance to, to you know, improve and to prove himself with L with LA and LA fans and, and all of that. Um, Darman Ham has found success there, but if you are of that mindset at all, you're not looking at Russ as somebody that you should have to pay to give up. You're just not going to see them that way. So strictly from a value perspective, that's going to make trade negotiations very, very difficult if you're trying to do a Russell Westbrook trade. Now, maybe if it's a big, I don't know, a Bradley Beal trade. I'm, I'm not saying they're going to trade for Bradley Beal, but maybe if it's a huge trade, maybe there's so many pieces involved that ultimately the balance, you can figure out a way to, to even out the value. You can keep things balanced enough, even if uh, team uh, mystery team Y or whatever sees Russ as 
this massive negative and somebody the Lakers should have to give up extra value for. Maybe the Lakers value a player they'd be getting back a little more than their incumbent team does, and then the, the balance kind of it, it stays even. That's possible. But in a smaller deal, if the other team you're trading with sees them as a big negative that they should get paid to take on, and the Lakers don't feel like they should have to pay anything to get him off the roster, well, it's going to be really hard to make to make a deal then because the value is so different in terms of the way you're, you're seeing things. So with that being the case, it makes way more sense that the Lakers ultimately will do something with um, Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn. And that's something that Yovan Buha said uh, on our YouTube channel yesterday. That video is up uh, again on the channel if you want to check that out. He gave his thoughts on the whole situation with the Lakers trade front. And he agreed with me. He said, yeah, look, they're probably going to do something with Kendrick Nunn, something with Patrick Beverly. Those are the guys they're offering around the league. So you've got a little over $18 million in expiring salary there. You could attach another minimum to them to get a little bit higher up in salary. You could take back to where you could take back uh, about in the $25 million range in terms of salaries coming back in. Uh, and then you could attach some type of draft capital. But if it's those two guys, maybe you're only attaching one pick um, and then seeing if you can find somebody who can kind of improve you in the margins and give you just a little bit of a boost with the hope being that if you can get some of the right fitting pieces, the overall effect on the team will be amplified, right? You plug in pieces that actually fit and the overall impact on the team is going to be greater than just the talent of the individual or individuals that you're bringing in via trade. So that appears to be the path the Lakers are going to travel down here. Now, getting something done is not going to be easy because We've got a weird dynamic in the league right now where we expected the Pacers and the Jazz to be sellers on the trade market, and they're not. Surprisingly, they've been winning games, winning a lot of games, winning enough games to where they're not going to be sellers anymore. They're probably going to be buyers. We've heard the Pacers connected to John Collins. The Jazz have also been connected to John Collins. They want to go and actually add players. So you took, right, you already had a fairly small amount of teams that were considering themselves sellers. And part of that is a byproduct of the play in tournament. You now have more teams that see themselves as in the mix. And so they're not as willing to move off of assets, not as willing to move off of players in order to tank, right? They look at themselves and say, well, we're the 11th seed right now. We're not that far out. Let's just hold on for a little bit longer and see what we can do. So there's not as many sellers on the market. And then that's compounded by the Jazz and the Pacers going from what we saw as certain sellers to now being buyers. It means there's just not a lot of teams out there ready to make a move just yet, ready to sell off players. So. That complicates things that much more for your Lakers because there's a number of teams that see, just like the Lakers see, hey, this Western Conference, it's crazy, crazy compact. There's a lot of upward mobility. If you can add a piece or two, you could move way up in the standings if you can get on a winning streak. Now, it requires other teams to lose too, but there's opportunity here. You're not sitting like eight games back, 10 games back or whatever of first place. No, you've got an opportunity to really move up if you can add pieces and help your team right now. But what that means is that other teams are going to be aggressive trying to get deals done too. And if you're a seller on the market, you're going to wait. You're going to wait and try to get the best offer. It's going to take something that you simply can't pass up in order to pull the trigger right now. Now, a lot of what's out there is stuff that teams that are selling off players are thinking, you know what? Why do something right? I can get this deal on February 9th at the trade deadline. Why do something right now? Let's wait and let's see if somebody really panics and offers up more than they should. And in particular, I think they'll be looking at Rob Palenka and the Lakers to see if they'll offer up more, to see if they'll come off of those first round picks, to see if they'll come off of protections on those picks, 
or not. The rumor was the Lakers offered uh, a very heavily protected first-round pick in a Boyan Bogdanovich deal. The Pistons want it to be unprotected. Totally. That's a, that's a big gap to try to close. And again, if you're the Pistons, you're thinking, well, we can get a protected first for Boyan, who's shooting 44% from three on February 9th if we need to. So why not wait? Let the Lakers sweat it out a little bit. Again, the Pistons or any other team that's selling right now, they don't have to be in any hurry. They're losing games as is. So they're not necessarily worried about making a move right now, whereas the Lakers and other teams that are in that buyer category are looking at things and saying, the sooner the better. The sooner we make a move, the faster we can acclimate this new talent to our system, the sooner we can start moving up in the standings, sooner we can start really getting ahead of steam here, right? If you wait until February 9th, if you're the Lakers, to do something, your window to move up is pretty small. Shortly after, you've got the all-star break, and that knocks out a week. And then you've got a few weeks that you've got March and a few weeks in April. And that's it to move up in the standings. That you got to be pretty damn perfect if you're going to make a move on trade deadline day and expect that to bounce you from the 12th seed or the 11th seed or whatever up into, say, the 6th seed or the 5th seed. But if you can do something now... That's a possibility, right? There's enough games played still left on the schedule to where maybe you can do that. So again, there's incentive for the Lakers to try to get something done right now, but at the same time, they don't want to get fleeced. And frankly, the Lakers have given up too much value in trades in recent years. So opposing teams maybe look at them saying, eh, let's just wait. They're going to cave. They're going to give up more than they should because this is what they've done historically. This is what the Lakers front office and Rob Palenka is going to have to fight against in order to get a deal done to get this team, get Anthony Davis, get LeBron James, the pieces that they need in order to really make some noise. It's clear they need a little more firepower. It's clear the roster needs to be balanced. If you trade away a couple of guards and Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn and you bring back a couple of wings, that would be a step in the right direction, purely in terms of balancing out the roster, giving you the pieces that should fit best with this club. And the sooner you do it, the better. But again... These are your only assets moving forward. Your only major assets, those future firsts. You've got to be careful with them and you've got to get the right deal. So what's going to give? Is the right deal going to come along sooner rather than later? Are the Lakers going to give up a little bit more than we think that they should? We'll see what's going to happen here as the trade market continues to develop. Final note on that before I get into fan questions and comments here. Uh, the G League Showcase is coming up in just a few days, December 19th. That starts up and all the GMs are going to be there. So they're all going to start talking. All right, They're going to Start hashing out some trade talks. They've been talking for a while, right? But just kind of throwing out different ideas. Who might you be interested in, right? But things might get a little more concrete. But then the problem is you have Christmas and then you have New Year's. And so what happens is teams can kind of, you know, you go away for the holidays and then you come back and you reconvene and you start to settle in first of the year and you start to really start to take a look at what you're going to do, what you're going to get done. So I'm not saying nothing happens between now and January but I could see the way, and this is kind of how it usually plays out. Wait, the ball can start rolling now, but we may not see something done until into January. And for the Lakers, for this team, that means you got to continue to find a way to keep your head above water. That includes picking up some wins that maybe you're not expected to. Now you got the win over the Bucks. Obviously, if you'd won the games that you really should have won already, you beat the Pacers, you beat the 76ers, you beat the Celtics. Well, then you're, you're an above 500 team right now and you're feeling a lot better. Those losses mean you've got to find a way to win some games. And that, that might mean 
uh, beating Denver tonight. You're going to have a tough schedule coming up. Maybe you beat the Mavs on Christmas Day. You have to take advantage of the games that are on the schedule in front of you that are very winnable. So like they have Washington coming up. That becomes a must win. This Lakers team, until they can get a deal, they've got to do everything they can to push their way up the standings as high as possible so that when that extra help comes, and I think it's a matter of when, I think the front office has decided, look, we're, we're going to find something. We're going to do our best to get something done here. When that help comes, you want to put yourself in a position where you can really take off, but you're not going to do that if, you're, if you've fallen so far behind. Got to figure out a way to win games right now, and that's going to mean better execution down the stretch. I'm not going to talk more on that at the moment because I know I'm going to get into that a lot with these super chat questions that came in uh, from the, the fan question and answer. So let's dive right into that. These are the questions that I didn't get to in our previous show from yesterday. Um, we'll get through them. Some of them are going to be quick answers. Some of them will springboard us into a lot of other topics. Let's go. Let's do this. Joseph said, better role players. We win this game easily. That goes right back to the whole trade front and why they need to get pieces that fit, why they need to get some players that can really help take this team to another level. So yes, look, better role players. They win that game. I'm not going to argue with that. Um, better role players and Darvin Ham doesn't have to play one group the entire fourth quarter because he's going to feel a little more confident turning to his bench and saying, hey, Boyan Bogdanovich, get in there. Hey, Kyle Kuzma, go hop in there and feeling confident that player's going to get in there and produce. So yes, I I'm not going to disagree with that. Ben says, fact, LeBron has not hit enough meaningful heroic last second shots as a Laker. No matter uh, change, the games come down to stars making hero shots. I don't know if I totally agree that the game's going to come down to stars making hero shots. That's not always the case. If you're a good team that executes well, you put you don't want to put yourself in a situation where stars have to make hero shots in order to win. That's not what you want. You want to just be the better team and have your have a cushion and, and stroll to a win. That's what you want to do. The team that just executes better and, and off you go. But the first part, LeBron hasn't hit enough meaningful heroic shots. I understand that sentiment. Um, when that moment was playing out, the end of uh, the regular fourth quarter, right? The end of the, the game. Uh, we I knew it was coming. And I'm sure all of you watching and listening knew it too. We all knew what was going to happen. We all, everybody knew the move that was coming. It was going to be a LeBron step back to the left, fading away three-pointer. I uh, wasn't going to drive to the basket. That That's the move that he makes. That's the shot that he takes. And I can't think of many that he's made with the game on the line where it's going to be a buzzer beater or that, that type of situation. I was hoping in the moment that he was going to drive to the basket, at least try to get himself to the line, maybe collapse the defense, dump off to AD, kick out to a shooter, something. Something other than a contested step back three. And yet it happened anyway. Um, now you can say he was out of gas from playing so much in the fourth quarter. That was certainly possible. But yeah, I didn't have a lot of faith in the moment that he was going to knock down that shot. And he didn't. And the reason why I didn't have a lot of faith, despite thinking LeBron is a phenomenal player, is because we've seen him miss that shot in crunch time many, many times uh, since he's been a Laker. And so it's a it's a point of frustration. I would like to see him put his head down and get to the basket. I'd like to see them run something, run something creative that's going to get an open look for somebody um, instead of just living with what's proven to be a, a bad shot. And instead, that's what they went with. Uh, the custodian said, try playing 45 minutes versus professional basketball players. Tell me you wouldn't get tired and possibly miss free throws. He kept us in the game to begin with. So he's defending Anthony Davis saying AD was tired. That's why he missed the free throws. I think it's really unfortunate what's happened with AD. 
He was very upset after the game that he had missed those free throws. Um, he took it very personally. He's He feels like it was on him. That's what he talked about. The losses were on, on him. And Anthony Davis, my concern is this. Anthony Davis is a good free throw shooter. He's over 80%. For a big, that's fantastic. And we're going to look at him and, say, and remember these loud misses and say, oh, he's not a good free throw shooter. He's not clutch and all these things. It's, we're talking about four shots. He made one of four. If he makes two of four, if he makes three of four, the Lakers have two more wins. Right? Like that's that's what we're talking about here. Um, but the sample size is so small that you can't say that's predictive of what's to come, that he's just always going to miss free throws down the stretch. In fact, history would say otherwise. If you look at his shooting percentages, you would say that's probably the guy that you want there. It's the way it goes. So AD denied being tired. I don't know if that was just him not wanting to deflect blame. I would imagine he probably was tired, but he wasn't willing to accept that excuse for why he would have missed those shots. Um, he just said he has to knock him down. And, and look, I think you take that. I think you take one of the best free throw shooters on the team being at the line with a chance to win the game against the team with the best record in the NBA. If you told me before the game, we're going to put you in this scenario and if Anthony Davis hits a free throw, you're going to win the game. I would say, deal. Let's take, absolutely. We will take that situation because you're playing a quality team, the best team in the NBA right now. Um, unfortunately, he just didn't knock it down. Jazz said, only three in double digits. Russ playing well, but not $47 million worth. Yeah, no arguing there. Uh, trade him for two wings. What wings are you getting? What do you have to give up with him to get those wings? That's going to be the question. Also, Boston's entire starting five had more free throws than LeBron. Shaking my head. LeBron hasn't been able to get himself to the free throw line very easily. And so that's going to be... Um, look, it's something we've talked a lot about. I'm not going to rehash it too much. But LeBron doesn't get a lot of respect from the officials these days. I know teams are playing him a little bit differently, defending him. They're not as worried about having to foul him. Um, but... I would like to see him get more free. The, the number of free throws he gets compared to the number of shots at the rim he takes, it's it's unfortunate. It's it's extremely unfortunate. You'd like to see him get to the line a lot more. Creasy, about the fifth game we've lost with Ham's arrogance. Kept AD in the game like we were against Giannis. Gassed, left Bev in too long. No timeout last play. Agreed. There needed to be a timeout on the last play. But um, I don't know if this is all on Darwin. How much of this could just be growing pains for a new coach? Too. We got to remember, Darvin Ham is a rookie head coach here. Um, you had to expect some bumps in the road. Uh, I'm not saying people shouldn't be frustrated that they lost the game or critical of Darvin Ham, but there may be reason for this beyond arrogance. I, I, I wouldn't jump to that. St. Freezy, I have been more pissed off about something in months, not just about basketball. This is more stressful than my ex, LMAO. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit I woke up angry the next day uh, after that, that Celtics loss. It had been on my mind quite a bit. I need a good palate cleanse in a victory over the Denver Nuggets. I, I need that. Uh, I know a lot of fans need that right now. I don't blame you. I don't blame, look, Lakers fans are, are if, if nothing, they are, they're passionate. We're a passionate bunch. And um, yeah, this kind of thing is going to stick with you. It's going to hurt. And that's, that's not fun. But again, it also shows why fans care so much, right? That if, if people just brushed it off, then that shows that they're not really true fans right there they don't have that kind of passion for the team. i shouldn't say they're not true fans but they don't have that level of passion for the team and i think it's the passion that lakers fans have that makes this that makes lakers nation that makes laker fandom they're the strongest fan base in the nba uh sealed bean said i thought russ's defense was great uh and led to the uh the comeback in my opinion if he was playing defense like that he deserved to be on the floor what about you the only point where I would have quibbled with having Russ in the game was like on the last shot. If you call timeout, pull him out, put in your shooters and then go from there and, and draw up a play and go. That's, that's where I would have pulled Russell Westbrook. I thought Russ was doing some really good things defensively, blocking shots, um, made some mistakes on the offensive end, but there wasn't anybody who I thought was outplaying Russ. I think strategically I would have pulled him out for the last shot so that I could put in Lonnie, put in another shooter. And I may have pulled him out for part of the fourth anyway to get Lonnie going a little bit and get him some opportunities as well, uh, rather than just kind of ride or die with these five guys. I've been critical of him subbing too much. I think this time he went a little too far the other way. Uh, Clark, LeBron missed a three descended over overtime, two made layups into four missed jump shots by Russ. LeBron, zero shots for AD in overtime. He did take a three, Anthony Davis did. Unacceptable shot selection. It was the 76ers game all over again. We saw the Lakers look completely lost, look like they had no idea what kind of shot they were looking to take and just settle for, all right, I'm going to jack up a three now because this is what we've got. Um, yeah, it, it was unacceptable to see that happen again. Again, to see a team with this many veteran players look completely lost in terms of what it is that they're trying to accomplish on offense. And part of that is Boston switch Cornette over onto Russell Westbrook, but okay, then then that, that comes on the coach, then pull Russell Westbrook out if that's going to completely stagnate the offense by allowing Cornette to defend Russ. Or if you're Russ, take that personally. Don't shoot the three they're trying to get you to take or the 15-foot jumper they're trying to get you to take. Drive it into Cornette, get yourself to the line, and, and take your space. If he's going to sag off and defend you at the free throw line, take the space, get yourself into the paint, kick out to a shooter, or attack the rim and get to the, back, and get to the free throw line. Um, just poor choices from the Lakers in overtime. Uh, we didn't lose. Giovanni says we didn't lose because of two missed free throws. We lost because we were down by almost 20 points. We shouldn't be down that much to begin with. The slow starts for the Lakers have indeed been a concern and why I'm thinking that may be time to mix up that starting lineup a little bit. I just don't think they have enough offensive punch. Matt Riggs, I blame this loss on Rob Palenka because he should have pulled the trade with Boyan. So you're saying unprotected first round pick for Boyan Bogdanovich. I wouldn't go, like I wouldn't do that. 
I wouldn't do that deal. I think it's too risky. I think you're not getting enough value in return. You're getting a 33 year old player who's good. I don't think his shooting right now at 44% from three is sustainable. I think he's a good shooter. I'm not paying like if we if you said Boyan is going to be he's under contract for two more years, potentially three. Uh, because of the way his, he's got a, a partial guarantee on that third year. If you told me he's going to shoot 44% from three the entire three years, done. Unprotected first, there you go. Happy to get happy to pay that. I don't think he's going to shoot that. I think right now he's playing at his very, very best, um, perhaps the best of his career. And I'm not going to pay the price. To, I'm not going to buy high on this player who's 33 years old who isn't going to be on the team when that draft pick comes due. Again, I think he's a great fit. I think he'd be a fantastic addition. I think if you can get Sadiq Bey into the mix, great. That gives you a young talent. Then I feel a little more comfortable giving up an unprotected first. But if it's me, I'm saying I need some protections on this pick because this is a 33-year-old player. If Boyan was 27, great, done deal. But he's not. And you have to factor that into the negotiation. Um, again, I think he would be a tremendous help for this team. But it's also got to be the right value. It's got to be. Matty James, AD missed free throws were the difference in winning and losing in regulation. Again, um, it's, do you want to blame missing the free throws, everything it took to get up to that point? There's a lot of things that can ultimately lose you the game. You know, I was, when I, growing up, I played the goalkeeper position in soccer, and I, I remember vividly um, somebody scored on me, and we wound up losing the game, and I, I felt really bad. And my coach told me, well, that, that player that scored on you literally dribbled through six other players before they got to you and, and scored, right? And so I was feeling bad. And he said, so it's not on you just because you were there in the final result. It's on everything that built up to that. It's on the entire team for letting him get to that point. And I, and I kind of think of the same thing when I look at Anthony Davis. Yes, he missed a couple of crunch time free throws and you would expect him to knock those down. But there were a lot of other things that happened um, that... Um, that led the Lakers to losing this game, right? I mean, you look at missed shots. You look at uh, three-point attempts when they should have been attacking the basket. You look at poor defensive sequences. Uh, LeBron throwing the ball to Marcus Smart rather than inbounding it um, or trying to throw it to a Russell Westbrook who wasn't paying attention. I mean, just like stuff you would expect a rookie to do, right? There's lots of things that happened before Anthony Davis's missed free throws. So I can't pin it all on AD. Dre Johnson, LeBron is too scared of the free throw line. He was answering that for why LeBron isn't attacking the basket. I wouldn't say he's scared of it. Like LeBron's in year 20 in the NBA. Now, are we really buying that he's afraid of the free throw line? I can't imagine he's, he's afraid of the free throw line. Now there's players like, I don't know, Rajon Rondo, who is a, who is a terrible free throw shooter. And you would see him sometimes not attack the basket because he didn't want to go to the line. Uh, ben Simmons did that, but, you know, but he's got obviously some other things going on there, but I don't look at LeBron and say, oh, he's scared to go to the free throw line in, in crunch time. I think his legs were gassed. And I also think he just, he made some poor decisions. And part of it was the paint was totally packed because Russ was on the floor and the Celtics were defending him with Luke Cornett. Again, that's where, if you want to go back to Darvin Ham, needed to call a timeout, get Russ off the floor, get shooters on, create space, pick and roll AD and LeBron. And you live with it. You live with whatever the results are. You put you run the AD LeBron pick and roll and whatever happens happens. If it turns into a Lonnie Walker three for the game. Okay. If you get an open look, you live with that. You live with the results of that. What you don't want to do is look lost and nothing's going on and you can't figure anything out. And so you wind up settling for a sidestep three pointer fading away to try to win the game. 
when it's tied. Don't want to do that. Jay Jordan. <laughs> Kobe would kick bronze blank for shooting that in the clutch. I mean, Kobe also took a, a one-legged three over Dwayne Wade that banked in to, to win a game. So, you know, <laughs> it's look, Kobe hit some really tough shots too. Kobe and LeBron are not the same player. They're not the same style player. They're both good for their own reasons, but but ultimately, yes, I, I wanted LeBron to attack. And I I saw as the play was going was happening, he wasn't it wasn't gonna happen. Uh, Lou says trade Patrick Beverly immediately missing two layups in a row is unacceptable and not representative of being a Laker trade his, but now, um, yeah, that he, I think there is some positive regression coming for Patrick Beverly's three point shooting. I think that he's going to shoot a little bit better as we get an entire season in. I do think he's probably the, the guy that's going to get traded though. I, I think that's going to happen. Um, the missed layups were frustrating um, he's been good defensively and his numbers show that, but yeah, the, the offensive issues have been so pronounced that they've erased a lot of the positives that he's brought on the defensive end of the floor. So I do look, I do think he's going to be traded. Part of it is logistics. If you're going to do a trade and it's not going to be a rush trade, you almost have to have Patrick Beverly's salary in it. Kind of like last year with Taylor Horton Tucker. It's a very similar situation where if it's not Russ pretty much had to be THT in a deal because he was the only salary big enough to do something of any significance. And that's going to be the same case here with Patrick Beverly. I, I would say he is, he's the most likely Laker to be traded right now. Maddie James, I give credit to this undersized Lakers team, huge difference from the first half to second half and the way they compete and really gave you something to root for. Just wish it ended in a W. Yeah. I mean, it was a bit of a roller coaster, And so that's frustrating in its own way, but like last year's team, would have never come all the way back, would have never gotten the win or gotten the lead. <laughs> they would have, they would have just turtled up as soon as, as soon as the game, as soon as the Celtics came out and had the first quarter they did last year's team would have just been like, well, all right, let us know when the game's over. Off you go. Right. They, they wouldn't have, they just didn't have the same fight in them as this year's group does. This year's group continues pushing, made a great run, made great plays defensively, got after it. Um, but this is now a, a problem that we're seeing where they're not closing out games that they should. And it's it's costing them wins, and it's something that's got to be changed quickly. Because like I said, right now, they'd be above 500. They'd be in the play-in if they just took care of the three games, Pacers, 76ers, and Celtics now, that they should have. We'd be talking about an above 500 team right now. Can you imagine that? Yikes. This one said, Russ kept us in the game, and he lost it for us. He started the game one for eight. Uh, he gets the master lock because the poor overtime performance, no question. That's the polarization of Russell Westbrook. You're going to get extremes on either end. You're going to get great plays and you're going to get some terrible head scratching plays where you just say, what are you thinking? Um, that's what we saw. I mean, look at the start of overtime. He took two plays, went straight to the basket, scored, and then went, no, nope, not going to do that anymore. Shooting jumpers because the Celtics put Cornette on him and packed the paint. He's got to force the issue more and he can't take the bait and shoot those shots. You just can't. Maddie James, in regulation, I loved how Russ played and gave a huge energy shift to the team, not so much in overtime, though. Agreed? Yep. Uh, echoes what I just said. Andrew P., happy to see Keith. Merry Christmas front office. So Keith Smith was on the postgame show with me, and, um, and we was kind enough to come on there. He stayed up till it was 2 in the morning his time. Uh, he was exhausted the next day. 
but he uh, came on there and he's a fantastic guy. He and I do the front office show together. If you haven't seen it, go check out the NBA front office show on YouTube. You can also find us on, on podcast feeds. We cover the entire NBA. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's he and I hosting the show and we break down everything. It's, it's a blast. So check out the NBA front office show. Uh, Maddie James and LeBron turned down, turn back, turn the clock back. The guy looked like the flash out there going coast to coast. He does have moments. He does have moments where he looks, where he looks like his old self. Uh, JJ Castillo Lakers always allow opponents to shoot open threes. Part of that was fatigue. They weren't getting out and covering the three point line, uh, very well, particularly as the game went on. We saw LeBron miss a rotation too, that wound up in uh, an open three. I want to say it was for Marcus smart or someone like that. So, it's something to keep an eye on. Overall, the Lakers defense has been acceptable on, on, on the season. But yeah, you kind of you knew you knew that game was going to get out of hand once the Celtics started to get open three-point looks. There were going to be some problems. Aaron MC, is there a free agent left to get? Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard. Yeah, I mean, the Lakers still have an open spot right now. They've got an open roster spot to help ideally facilitate a trade where they bring back an extra player. Remember, they waived Matt Ryan. So they only have 14 players on the roster right now. They could, I mean, if they wanted to call up Jay Huff and give him a non-guaranteed contract, they could do it right now and bring him into the mix. Boogie Cousins, Dwight, uh, where's Dwight? Taiwan right now? Call him up. You want to come back? Let's go, right? You could do any of that. Mello, anybody you want that's a free agent, you could go get. But right now the Lakers are leaving that spot open um, in the anticipation of a trade. Hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. Uh, my home, oh, this comment said, my mental health is suffering. Why is ham not starting with a strong lineup and remove Pat Bev? They always start slowly. Why AD twice this year already? Um, I'm, okay. So as far as the mental health goes on one hand, like I'm, I'm hoping, I don't want to assume that's a, a joke or whatever, but I'm hoping that it is, that it's an exaggeration. But if it is seriously getting to the point where you're struggling um, watching the games, don't want, then don't watch. I, I'm being serious. Then, then don't watch. Like if it's really negatively affecting you to a, to that degree where, whether it's your mental health, your physical health, whatever is, is being sacrificed. It's, it's not worth it. Don't, don't do it. Don't do that to yourself. Um, and, and that doesn't like, that doesn't help me in any way. Right. If I'm telling people to not watch the games and then and probably not listen to my show or not, you know, not visit Lakers Nation and all that kind of stuff. But um, Lakers Nation, us as a as a fan base, it's it's incredible. I mean, I've been completely overwhelmed by just the the support that I've seen fans give each other. Sure, fans will snip at each other and things like that. But um, the shared experience of of Lakers basketball does a tremendous effect, uh, a tremendous job bringing people together. And we've seen that. Um, I've seen that from from those of you that I've met in person that I've had the good fortune to meet at at games and stuff like that, or at summer league or, or whatever. Um, so the the concern is always for individuals first and people and how you're how you're processing all of this. If it's if some of these losses are very frustrating, and I can I can sympathize with this. I can connect with comments like this because I actually had a point before I started doing this professionally and covering this team and. Um, when I was younger, I was in my early twenties where I'd watch the games and I was getting so fired up and so upset. Like it was affecting me physically. I was feeling, I was not feeling good. Um, I hit a point where I had to start just recording. I mean, this was back in the day of VCR, right? I would have to start taping the games 
And then I would look at the score after the game. I would try to stay off social media. I would just check the score after the game. And if they won, I'd watch the game. And if they didn't, that, I would just erase that tape and, and wouldn't watch it because I wasn't handling um, it very well. Um, that was a short time. And I was able to, to get through that as I got a little older and everything. But, um, but nonetheless, I can identify with, with comments like these when you say it's affecting your mental health. So again, to anybody out there that's listening, if it's, if it's really getting to the point where you feel like it's, it's negatively impacting your life watching these games, don't watch. If you have to do what, what I did where you just watch if they win, you watch after the fact, stay off of social media. I know that's like, that can be added pressure too because you know, you know anytime the lake look, one of the downsides of having the largest fan base of having um, the most popular team in the NBA of having um, this historically great team is that when things go south, there's a lot of people that hate you. There's a lot of people that you've beat up on for years that are going to come out of the woodwork to gloat and to take victory laps and to troll and all that kind of stuff. And that can make social media a tough place too for Lakers fans. I've heard fans say, you know, they just don't want to, oh, I don't want to hear what Skip has to say after the game. I don't want to have to listen to that. I don't want to have to see what all these fans are saying on social media. I, I understand that too. So if it gets to a point where that kind of stuff is, is, seriously negatively impacting your life don't do it don't don't put yourself through that um focus on on yourself and when you feel like you're ready then come on back and we'll, and we'll be right here but again if it's if it's seriously affecting you don't put yourself through that put put your own health first um above that and nothing nothing wrong with that at all um the basketball side why is ham not starting with a strong lineup and removing patrick beverly i think he wants to set the tone defensively Pat's offense has been so rough that it's getting hard to justify um, keeping the starting lineup the same. And, uh, you know, Darwin's talked about wanting to keep it uh, steady for a while now, but I do wonder if there's going to need to be a change. Um, it, we're probably past that point. I do like Austin Reeves playing alongside Russ. I do like how that works off the bench, but I think you can work the minutes to where you can just put Austin Reeves in the starting lineup or, or something like that and, and roll with that. The challenge then is, okay, are you bringing Patrick Beverly off the bench to play him with Russ? What does that look like? Does that really work? Like there is a domino effect here where you can negatively impact some lineups further into the game and it can change a lot of things. So you have to be careful about that. But in general, yeah, I think the Lakers need to figure out a way to get off to faster starts and changing up the starting five may be the, uh, the way to do that. Uh, Joe said, man, Lakers up 13 Celtics hit three cut to 10 should have been a timeout there to take a breather and stop momentum. Celtics get a quick turnover in a bucket. That's where we lost the game. 80s free throws didn't help. Yeah. That gave the Celtics life up into like you were one score and one stop away from the Celtics probably going, okay, well, we're not getting this one. And then letting off the gas pedal. Instead you give up a three and then a quick two and suddenly they have life again. That's, that's the unfortunate part of making those kind of mistakes. Uh, Maddie, if they played the last five minutes of the fourth the way they started, this would be a win. Uh, the way they start, oh, the way they started the fourth, yes, they can completely change their their demeanor. They tried to just run out the clock. I've said it a million times. When teams go into this, slow it down, run out the clock offense, keep the ball in the hands of our best player, let him go ISO and try to score. You play right into the hands of the other team, and typically you wind up putting your opponents back into the game because you start taking difficult shots in ISO situations rather than running a play to get a good look. Um, you don't want to risk the ball getting out of the hands of, of your guy. 
And so you wind up in these situations where it's a tough LeBron fadeaway or something, a miss, Celtics get the rebound. Now they're in transition. They score. Now you're taking the ball out of your basket. You're going up against their set half-court defense again, rinse and repeat, as opposed to you run something, you score. The Celtics have to go up against your set defense. You get a stop. You run in transition. You score on them again, and the game's over, right? It drives me crazy, but the Lakers aren't the only team that does this. Changing the way they play late in games. Sean Fanning said, Lakers should have won if they stuck to punishing the Celtics inside. How are the Celtics really winning with Blake Griffin starting at center? Uh, when Horford is out, opposing big should be feasting. They're really good. Uh, their other guys defensively do a really good job covering. They're a very smart team. They do a really nice job of making things work. And Jason Tatum has been on a tear. He's been fantastic. Arguably been the best player um, in terms of the MVP race so far this season. So it's all of those things that have allowed them to kind of weather that storm of not having uh, Robert Williams or even Al Horford in, in this situation. But yeah, they, they found ways, but they lost to the Warriors. They lost to the Clippers. So, and that's unfortunate for the Lakers is you took like the Celtics are, are games where you'd want to see, okay, the Clippers are playing this team. They're going to lose Warriors playing this team. You know, they can lose that one. Instead, the Celtics put wins on two Lakers opponents and then put a loss on the Lakers record. And that's, again, that's the Lakers fault, but that's, that's, that's the exact opposite of how you'd want that to play out if you're the Lakers. Appetizers and sushi. Interesting name said our front office is fraudulent. Don't have, uh, don't have help to get them over the top, but instead we lose and the front office says, see, you can't win. So why should we make a trade? I think we're past that point. I, I really believe that the front office is no longer at the prove it stage of you guys have to show us that you're ready to win. I think it's, look, it would be almost impossible to watch these games and not feel for Anthony Davis, not feel for LeBron and say, man, they just need a little more help. Let's go get them this help. I think we're past that. I think now the question is, how soon can they get them get a deal done? Can they find something that, that makes sense? And can they not get fleeced in a deal? That's, um, that's what we're looking at here. All right. Coach said, LeBron's fadeaway jumper is the lowest percentage shot in basketball. I don't think it actually is, but stop shooting that shot in tight games. Agreed. I've gone over it, so I'm not going to rehash, but don't shoot, don't shoot that shot um, when the game's on the line like that. And it shouldn't be like a go-to shot um, in crunch time anyway. I would prefer to see them run something and try to get an open look for somebody. Maddie James, I'd rather like to have seen LeBron drive to the basket in the final seconds instead of trying to beat Kobe. Preaching the choir. Agreed. Would like to see him drive to the basket instead. Should we have substituted Schroeder for Russ? I would have gone with Lonnie. I would have gone Lonnie Walker for the size, the athleticism and all of that. Um, Schroeder, it's kind of more of the same in terms of a guard who can get to the basket and uh, can be feisty defensively, but is undersized. I would have gone Lonnie Walker over Schroeder in that scenario. Uh, JTA doesn't ever play. Why is that? Because he's hurt. He's not eligible to play right now. He's dealing with an, an ankle injury. So that's why he's not playing. Uh, Renfam, stay frustrated all season, not getting Boyan. Trade unprotected first round pick. Stop early, lazy ISO threes, need better shot selection, need off-ball movement screen. So he's saying go ahead and give up the, the unprotected first to get Boyan Bogdanovich. I'm sure that's what the Pistons are hoping the Lakers will ultimately decide to do. I'm not in favor of that. I understand why some people would be. I want protections on that pick in case the Lakers enter a rebuild um, that year. Steven DJ said, if Russ leaves on an expiring contract next season, will his salary be added to our cap space? If not, I would just trade him. Uh, would it be added to our cap space? So if if Russell Westbrook doesn't leave next year, like 
let's say Russ, Russ is a $47 million expiring contract. His cap hold will sit on the books. And unless the Lakers either renounce him or he signs another deal, whether it be, it could be, I guess, with the Lakers, maybe he signs a minimum deal with the Lakers, then that would open up cap space. But if he signs with another team or the Lakers renounce his rights, they don't have any cap space. So even if Russ is, his contract is up, his cap hold will be on the books and will prevent the Lakers from spending any money. Now it's very simple to clear. You just, you just renounce his rights and boom, you've got your cap space. Um, or if you decide, Hey, we want to use Russ's bird rights to keep him. I asked Jovan about this, uh, yesterday. He said he thinks, doesn't think that's likely to happen that Russ will stay with the Lakers this summer. But, um, if you were to sign him to a new deal, let's say he says, okay, use my bird rights and I'll agree to an three-year deal at 8 million per year or something. Okay. Well now 8 million will be on your, on your books and that $47 million cap hold or whatever will be gone and you'll at least have some cap space available. So that's the way the way that would work um, in terms of the cap room. You don't have cap room until you actually renounce his rights or he signs another contract. Um, if he's sitting on, if you still have his bird rights, his cap hold, um, it's just kind of like setting aside that money and assuming you are going to re-sign him for the same amount, um, that will prevent you from having cap space. Dimitri, wave Jones and Nunn and sign DeMarcus Cousins, Carmelo Anthony, Rodney Hood. So if you wave Jones, you're paying him for two years because he has a player option for next year. Yeah, that's not great. Uh, and you're definitely not waving Nunn. You're definitely not waving Kendrick Nunn because uh, he is potentially a trade chip. At $5.2 million, you don't have many players making what he makes. You don't have many players making more than the veteran minimum. And so if you're going to try to do a bigger trade, like let's say you want to trade for William Bogdanovich, Patrick Beverly alone isn't going to get you there. You would need Pat and then you could throw in Kendrick Nunn's salary, and there you go. So you're not just going to waive Kendrick Nunn. You have an opportunity to use his salary in a trade. You're not going to just get rid of that opportunity for nothing. Uh, Jaipal, my a week off my lifespan, need to get life insurance. Again, that was, it, it's been, that was a brutal one, especially given the opponent. Ivan, would you trade Russ and sell high for him and for who? If you could sell high on Russ, I would absolutely consider it. If there was a team out there saying, hey, We'd like to trade for Russell Westbrook. We'd like to put him on the floor. Sure. I don't think that's a thing, though. I think most teams around the NBA are still going to see him just as an expiring contract, and they're going to treat him as somebody. And maybe this is, you can say this is against you know Rob Palenka. They're going to believe that the Lakers will fold, and they are going to still demand that the Lakers pay something to get him off the books. So I don't think you're selling high on Russ. Selling high on Russ would be getting somebody to give you something of value in return. I don't think that's what it's going to be. I think that if they do move Russ, they're going to have to attach something to him in order to get another team to take him and send something back. Senpai said, none Jones, JTA, Christie, and seconds for Burks Bay. None Jones, JTA, Christie. Um... If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. For Burks and Bay. That's interesting. Both wings, Burks legit 3 and D, saved Bev in the first and reassessed to trade in a month. What's the incentive for the Pistons to do that? Christie? that's not enough value. That's not enough value going to the Pistons. Um, they are rumored to want a first, uh, unprotected first for Sadiq Bay. You're not sending enough value to them to give up both those players. But, but that's not a bad kind of low, relatively low value targets, right? You're not, you're not talking about, hey, let's go get Bradley Beal. You're talking about just give me a couple of rotation players and try to keep the cost down. But again, right now, We've the trade deadline's not until February 9th. We've got so long that right now, like the Rockets, the Rockets have been saying this for years, but they're saying, Oh, Eric, you want Eric Gordon? Unprotected first, right? Or we want a first round pick. Nobody's paying that. Um, the, the Pistons, you want Sadiq Bay? First round pick. The Josh Richardson from the Spurs, you want him? First round pick. Doug McDermott, first round pick. Yaka Pertle, two first round picks, right? Everybody has their value sky high because it's early. Right, It's not for the Lakers because the Lakers are looking at the standings and saying, we need to get something done. We need to move up. We've got opportunities. Let's go. Other teams are saying, "We, this is just starting. February 9th is the trade deadline. That's when we have to make a move by, if we make a move at all. So why would we set our prices low right now? Set them high and people trying to negotiate down, that's fine. Maybe we get a little more serious next month. But for right now, you want to do a deal right now, this is the cost. That's what the Lakers are running into. If we plan to re-sign Reeves, please, dear God, yes, I believe they do. Uh, how much cap space do we realistically have anyway? Uh, well, Reeves, you could sign using his early bird rights. Um, so you could you could keep his low cap hold on the books, go up almost right to the cap, and then sign Reeves using his early bird rights in theory. Um, you could also be an above the cap team and use the Gilbert Arenas provision, right? Like, so... Reeves is a little bit different situation because you actually should have some bird rights and his cap hold isn't going to be this astronomical number. So the Lakers are actually in pretty good shape if they want to keep Austin Reeves. Um, and I believe they do. They absolutely should. And I think they will be able to. Ivan, uh, last one says, Hey Trevor, to lighten up the mood after the Celtics loss, uh, this loss to the Celtics, what is your favorite Lakers moment and why? Mine is Kobe's last game. Ivan, you know, I'm actually in agreement. It's, I feel a little bit weird saying that, you know, I've been a Lakers fan since the Showtime era. I've seen Magic and Kareem and all those guys and, and some amazing things. Uh, we've seen plenty of championships being won and, and all of that. And we've seen some incredible moments. But from a, a human perspective, I don't think we've ever seen anybody do what Kobe did in that moment in his final game. Um, gives me chills to this day to think about what, what Kobe did that night. Um, he was so clearly exhausted. If you remember his body leading up to that final game, he was getting like wrapped up. He looked like a mummy, um, just trying to ice his knees, shoulders, elbows, everything. 
um, just to get him through the season. And for him to go and do what he did in that final game, 60 points, lead the Lakers to a comeback win, put on that kind of performance. I, as I was watching that game, and I've talked about this on the show before, it struck me that we were we were watching him give us everything. I, I firmly believe he, we talk about leaving it all out on the floor. I've never seen anyone actually do it the way Kobe did. I think he literally gave the fans the last bit of basketball he had left in him that night. Um, it was absolutely incredible. It was a fitting send-off for an all-time great player. It was a final expression of love for the city um, from Kobe, and the city gave that right back. Um, an absolutely, absolutely incredible moment and one of my favorite sports moments uh, of all time. All right, on that, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't take long, and it's a great way to help out the show. Till next time, everybody. See ya. Stay safe. Let's get that win tonight over the Denver Nuggets. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.